Welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today, as we tackle in many weeks, the topic is school reform. But the approach we reflect on today, it's not charters or testing or merit pay, but it's community organizing. Here to shed some light on this topic is a participant and speaker at the National Community Organizing and School Reform Conference hosted right here at the Harvard Ed School. He's a former director of community outreach for the U.S. Department of Ed and now executive VP of Community Coalition in Los Angeles. And we caught up with Alberto Rattana today during a quick break from the conference. Uh, well, community organizing is, is pretty simple. It means everyday people tackling uh, issues and problems that are confronting their everyday lives. Uh, there's different ways to approach a problem. Uh, let's take, for instance, if there was an issue around a disabled person having access to a library and there's no way to get up because there's only steps and they need a ramp. An advocate would then hire someone to go and speak on behalf of that individual with disabilities uh, and push for change. Uh, there may be someone who lobbies and on their behalf as well. Uh, there's also folks who provide direct services, so then they would then partner with the library to build a ramp together and to then address the issue on that individual basis. But an organizer, what an organizer would do is uh, get the, the person who has a disability to advocate on their own behalf in front of the library, in front of the person in charge of the library, and to bring attention to the issue so that more folks are involved and then uh, push for change. So it's not about providing a service. Uh, it's not about doing an advocacy. It's about getting those people directly affected by the problem to take action on that problem. It seems like it's empowering those who are affected to sort of enact and initiate change themselves. Certainly there's some tenets about organizing that is about empowerment, that is about power, that acknowledges that there's uh, more power in numbers, uh, that it's sustainable when you get the community engaged, when it's ground up, and that the most uh, transformative changes, if you think about the history of the United States, have have culminated from not only organizing efforts but from movement efforts. So there's never there's not never been a racial justice issue in this country that hasn't required some form of organizing or movement work to, to move it forward. You've been at the conference for now what four three four hours? About three four hours. What are some broad takeaways that you can kind of give, and then what are you hoping to both share with this community of community organizers, and then what are you hoping to sort of learn from this two day conference? Well, I'm really excited about being here because, you know, this is a critical year, 2012, uh, it being an election year. Uh, but most importantly, it's, it's a huge opportunity for folks from across the country to really share their ideas and build networks. Oftentimes, community organizing is so localized that we don't have the opportunity to learn from uh, someone from Jackson, Mississippi, and what they're doing there with someone from Boston and someone from L.A., uh, for African Americans, Latinos, Asian Americans, and, and uh, working class whites and, and Native Americans to come together. Uh, really to share their stories. Uh, but today's been really exciting. You know, it, it's interesting. Someone earlier today talked about uh, transforming schools is, requires more than just organizing parents, but it really requires organizing principals and teachers and uh, stakeholders. Uh, a lot of folks acknowledged the need for a healthy tension between districts and communities, and that that tension at times uh, is what leads to improved educational outcomes. Uh, that organizing really creates the political window for elected officials and politicians to do the right thing when they have to make a decision and they're on the, on the wall and they have to negotiate with all these different interests. There's nothing better than to take the higher moral ground and stand with the community. Um, but it, you know, it's been very exciting. And you know, there's um, some folks that are raising a lot of issues around how to work with teachers in this climate where teachers are feeling under attack, where at the same time, though, communities and families feel like they're not represented by uh, the union. 
Today the focus, you know, on community organizing is how it affects school reform, as you just mentioned, teachers. How important is it within the sort of ecosystem of a community is the institution of a school and the value of education? It's absolutely critical. Um, I think part of what community organizing brings to the table is to really push our schools to be seen as community centers and that they belong not to the district and not to the principal, but that they actually belong to the community. Uh, we need to stop seeing our school sites as centers that are open from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then they shut down and we all go home. Uh, you know, we need to really look at schools as community centers. Uh, and the conditions that affect our students in these schools don't just affect them between 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. There's from 3.01 p.m. to 6.59 the next day, there's a host of issues that need to be acknowledged and taken into consideration if we really want to effectively uh, transform our schools. But schools are, are, are critical, a centerpiece. They've been a, a fabric of this nation's history. It just hasn't, it's just been in the last 20 years we've really seen our public edu education system get derailed and the educational outcomes of poor and working class and, and communities of color really really be detrimental to the outcome of their future, which ultimately is detrimental to the outcome of our, of our country. What are some of the challenges and hurdles that community organizers are running into when they're, they're looking, to, looking to help? Is it problems within school districts? Is it problems connecting? Is it apathy? Is it, what, what's going on? What are the challenges for community organizers? Well, I think uh, I would say two big challenges are uh, both mater are material and uh, one is more of a belief system. I think the biggest challenge on the belief system is how do we embrace high expectations for all children in this country where we fundamentally believe that no matter where you're from, what zip code you're born in, uh, what family you, you are raised in, you can succeed. Uh, so the fundamental challenge around really transforming our culture and our belief systems is a huge one uh, that only I think a movement can really push us beyond pushes uh, uh, past. I think the other major uh, fundamental challenge that we have in education right now is just school funding on a national level, particularly with the economic crisis. Our budgets have really been squeezed, and so districts across the country are cutting classes, uh, cutting adult education programs, uh, cutting support for students, which makes it really difficult uh, for students to learn when we're in this environment. So. We have to not only take on the battle of high expectations, but we also have to convince the country that investing in education is an investment in our future. Uh, and really build a, a, a broad support for a public education system that, that um, really prepares the best kids to succeed and give them a fair shot in this world. Personally, in your own experiences as a community organizer and working with community organizers at whatever level you've been, you've been working in the, in the sort of field, what does success look like? Uh, you know, in uh, earlier in this decade, uh, we took on a, about, about a five-year campaign with students and parents to bring attention to the lack of college access uh, for our students in Los Angeles. Uh, we work in South Los Angeles. Uh, we're situated in South Los Angeles, which is primarily African American and Latino. We're only two out of ten high school graduates, not ninth graders entering, but actual graduates were going to four-year public universities. So that means eight out of ten kids were not going to four-year schools, which you know, in turn has a, continues a cycle of poverty in, in our communities. Uh, and when we did the research, we realized that actually the vast majority of these kids that weren't getting into college wasn't because they weren't trying to, it wasn't that even that they uh, had the bad grades. A lot of them had good grades. They just hadn't, didn't have the right classes because there was a mismatch between the graduation requirements and college entrance requirements. So we took on a battle where students uh, for five years protested, uh, held forums, town hall meetings, worked with elected officials to demand that college access should 
be a right to every student if they want it. Uh, in fact, their, their uh, slogan was, let me choose my future, rather than let the school district choose their future. Uh, and in June of 2005, uh, we had about 1,000 folks at the school board. Uh, there were seven board members in Los Angeles. When we started the campaign, only one supported it. They ended up voting. Uh, in favor of making college access available to all students in LA Unified School District, a school district that's about 90% uh, people of color. Uh, that day was a transformative day, not only for the district, because it began to push on the expectations, it began to push on how resources are spent, it began to push on how communities work together to address this issue, but you just saw in the eyes and faces of those youth and parents that were there that change is actually possible, that when you get organized and when you come together, you can really do something about it. And what we did that day was not only transform the schools, but I felt like we developed a generation of leaders that are going to be committed to social justice, not just in education, but on all walks of life. Uh, justice is a huge issue today. I, I know we're here about talking about education, uh, but there's a young black man in, uh, who was killed in Florida, Trayvon Martin, who's struggling with justice today, and the lessons around organizing and education are very much can be applied to those lessons in Florida, and I think it's going to take organizing and movement to bring justice to, to that family as well. Last question, lessons, advice for aspiring community organizers. What can you say to them right now to help them in their, in their sort of growth or to encourage them to keep it up? That, uh, you know, people are never the problem. Uh, it, it's not about apathy. It, you know, organizing is really hard. It's like baseball, you know, you hit 300 and you're a star. Uh, organizing's challenging, right? You get three people out of 10 to come to a meeting uh, over time and, and you're, you're successful. But you got, we need folks that are willing to work with everyday folks. Uh, if we leave it up to the experts, quote unquote experts in, in the halls of decision making government, uh, government halls, uh, we're never really going to get the kind of transformational change. Too often we put, we place the emphasis on individual leaders uh, that have the courage to step up when in reality it takes more than, than individuals to take a step. We need, we need movements and, and organizers and individuals from the ground uh, to really step up and, and transform this country. Uh, organizing is always at the backdrop, have had, has had young people uh, be a part of it, whether it's the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee of the 60s uh, or a lot of the Occupy movement today. Uh, we need young people to really bring their fire, bring their courage, bring their energy, bring their optimism and hope and help define the future because ultimately it's, it's, it's in their hands. I do want to say one, one last thing that's really critical to organizing that, that and certainly critical to me. One thing that organizing does do is it create, especially if done intentionally, creates the opportunity to bring different communities together that would otherwise be pitted against each other by, be it the media or politicians or be it by the community itself. Uh, you know, I work in South Los Angeles where we have African Americans and Latinos living next to each other. It's the 20th anniversary of, this, of the riots or what we call the civil unrest coming up at the end of April where we're going to be reflecting upon those lessons. But there's nothing more powerful than when African Americans and Latinos, even with our shared history of oppression and racism uh, and some of our differences, can come together and say, you know what, together we have power, we can demand what's right for our children, and we can really take control of, of our country and, and our community. And that's the that's the, the, the blessing that community organizing hand. And, and you know, it's common sense, but it really places uh, the responsibility and the onus on transformation on people uh, on the ground, uh, not in government necessarily, not in corporations, uh, but in the hands of everyday people like you and me. Alberto, thank you so much. Uh, Jam-packed schedule today. Sure. It's no, it's no surprise, a community organizing conference 
made up by community organizers, was completely booked in February. It totally is February. And, you know, it's crazy. They have this uh, piece of the conference, which is called the Unsession. So they have all of these organized workshops. And then there's uh, two hours today and two hours tomorrow tomorrow for organizers to develop their own workshops and get people to, because everyone's organizing right now to see who can get to the most people to their workshop. But this is really exciting. Thanks Unbe for having me. Unbelievable. Thank you so much today. Enjoy your lunch. This was on his lunch break. This has been the Harvard EdCast, the production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.